Hi everyone. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Unstoppable Life with Verna. I'm so glad to be here today and I'm so glad to be here again to bring you another wonderful, powerful woman, Victoria Cartier. And you see, it was unstoppable. And I mean, this is a woman who is really and truly unstoppable. When we met, that was the first thing I saw she had unstoppable, and that's what connected us. Now, Victoria is a speaker. She's also an author, and she is many, many, many more things. She has moved from one to the next. She had to go through some stuff to get her breakthrough. And you would hear me say this all the time. In order to receive our breakthrough, we have to go through. We are not staying there, we are going through. And the purpose of why people like Victoria, myself and others, are the people we are today is because we have gone through stuff and we've made the decision that we are not go going to stay in that stuff. We are going to have a breakthrough which we can talk about. Now, I'm going to bring Victoria on shortly, who's going to tell you a lot more about ourselves. And we're going to have a free flow conversation. Feel free to write in the chat and we will answer all your questions. So I want to thank you for being here with us. And I want to thank you for being with On The Unstoppable Life and to hear what made Victoria Patti unstoppable. So Victoria, welcome. Thank you for being here with us. You to introduce us to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Verna, for having me. And as you said, un unstoppable, you've described me as that way. But I think what brought us together is, quite honestly, that word and that phrase and that philosophy. It is something I've embraced very readily since childhood and sign off of my social media posts. It's the pop socket on the back of my phone, my book, etc. But it, um, I don't know that I always used that that word. I chose that many years ago, yet it was the the way in which I was living. And I'll also share with you, Verna, and with the you know, with the audience here that it wouldn't have been something I was so comfortable talking about in my earlier years, in my 20s. It was probably not until I got into my my 30s, although I'm forever 29, let's be clear um, around that. Uh, but <laughs> I wouldn't have started sharing it, but a big part of what I do as an executive, and I'll talk about that in a moment, is coaching and mentoring and lifting others as I've risen. And with that, sharing some of the failures I've had and the successes that I've had, but also where does that come from? And so long before Simon Sinek became viral with his Start With Why TED Talk, I was trying to learn other people's experience, their why, essentially. So I'll share with you my why and what's driven me to, to be unstoppable. And then we can talk more around the rise that I've had and the career that I've had in some of the lessons. I'm born to a drug addicted teenage mother who beat me very severely as a child. I, I mean, I'm talking pushing me up a cigarette carelessly, you know, in my eye that I wore a patch for months. I'm fortunate that I was 
taken out of her care and adopted into a family who was loving and certainly not abusive to me. But that early years of abuse and being rejected by the person who should love you the most, your mother scarred me, quite frankly. And it caused me to develop walls around myself, always be, you know, in fear of rejection and not feeling loved. And so I put myself in really difficult situations. I chose to be around people that I thought would give me, you know, immediacy and love and affection that unfortunately then led to a rape in my teens by some poor choices in terms of people that I hung around with. I think that you can have, there's one of, well, multiple ways you go down, but I'll say one of, you know, two ways I certainly look, I could have either been like one of the best drug dealers that I followed down in her path and a very negative road, or I could have chosen to be resilient and rise above. And I remember my, my mom. And when I say mom, that is actually the woman who adopted me. She raised me. The other is a biological mother, but my mom is that woman for me. And I remember her saying to me probably when I was 11 or so, she said, Tori, you need to do better than us. Now, for her, that meant socioeconomically, because my dad was a janitor, she was a secretary. So she wanted me to get an education. She wanted me to have a much better career and a better life than they had. But I'm going to tell you, Verna, she never needed to utter those words to me. Because I was determined, and this is the choice I made the other path, I was determined to be better than the biology I was born into, or the circumstance and the socioeconomic position that I was raised in. And as a result, I dug deep into the things that I could control. And that was my performance. I started working at 11 years old and I graduated school early. And those were all things I could control, you know, how much I studied. And I was fortunate, however, that to, to not have to study too much, but also my work ethic. We saw me working at 11. By 14, I was the assistant manager of the shoe store I worked in. At 16, I was working in a medical office and, and eventually making sure seven of the clinics that was run in, you know, by that one doctor, everyone got paid to graduating at 16. At 17, I worked for the bank for a bank while I was in university. And ultimately, because of my hard work by continuing to develop, I became COO of, a, of an outsourcing company at age 24. And then by 35, I'd become president of a company. And by 41, I became a CEO of a company, which had long since been a goal of mine. That's a bit about my journey and kind of the my why, my lived experience that drove me towards this kind of unstoppable life. And the other part of that, I'd say, is no excuses. That's the other thing I, I sign up. Hashtag unstoppable and hashtag no excuses off most, most of my social media. The no excuses drives my children crazy. But that is where it stems from. Uh, I like that. I like the no excuses. I think I have that. I always had that when people want to, when I had my spa and people want to give me excuses as why they couldn't do something. I was like, you have no excuse. You don't know. You haven't been through anything. No excuses because some people make ex silly excuses and, and that's because they don't want to push themselves or you ask them questions and they don't really want to, dig deep. They want you to give them the answers. And I used to think, well, if I went through all of that and I was able to do what I'm doing now and go through all that I'm going through now, go back to university, get a degree, go back, work in cruise liners for a number of years, meet people and you do so much. And it's something you said at the beginning, choice. We have a choice and it's making 
those choices, those choices can move us from one stage to the next. And as you said, you had a choice to go down the road and become a drug dealer or decide to be somebody else. But you made the choice that, you know what, I'm going to be, even when your mom, who is not your biological mom, but your mom that brought you up, said to you, Tori, you need to do better than us. You had already cemented it in your DNA that you were going to do better. You are going to have a better life than you were born into. And so many times, so many people don't make that choice for one reason or the other. So I just want you to talk about, because as a speaker and as somebody who, who help others, I want you to just be free in your speech as you lay out how can someone build resilience? Because I am a very resilient person and that's where the Unstoppable came from. And that's where Unstoppable Resilience the program that I wrote came from. So how can someone build their resilience and grow to be whoever they want to be using the live long experience? I think you're right when you use the phrase and you talk about growing your resilience, because I think there are very few who have it completely innately. And so I think it's like a muscle and you work, you work on it to improve it. And so for me, I didn't have always a healthy level of resilience. Now, I, I, I was tough exterior. I could handle a lot. But the not healthy level of resilience was that for me to protect myself in relationships, I almost kind of had barriers or walls up. And that's, that's not healthy if you want to have loving, trusted relationships, whether that be at work or, or, or personally. And so for me, I needed to learn how to have a healthier level of resilience. And so I have this, you know, multi-step process that I go through. So first of all, it it's being resilient doesn't mean we don't deeply feel and have the emotion and nor would I ever suggest that I actually, for me, that's a very, that, that's a key part, you know, this level of resilience, which is feeling the emotion, anger, sadness, whatever it is. And then the next step is moving forward. So this step process for me is I've been very clear on what my goals or objectives are. Again, whether it's personal or professional, keep my eye on the prize, so to speak, whatever the goal or objective is. The next part for me is being incredibly self-aware. And that's one thing I, I attribute to, to my mom. I remember her sitting me down as a child in front of her and for hours at some point. And I was just like, mom, I just, I don't want to talk about this. And she's like, no, like Tori, why do you, let's talk about, let's kind of, she didn't use the word unpack. That's a very common like business phrase, but like, let's dig deep and understand where these emotions and your actions are coming from. And I would roll my eyes and sit there begrudgingly. But I think that that has caused me to be able to be way more self-reflective as I grew and became an adult. And that's tough. I think that's one of the things for the audience around developing resilience and some of these steps are very difficult. You know, and there's a lot of discipline, not step number one of setting a goal or objective for yourself, but two, looking hard at the person that stares back at you in the mirror and understanding why I have the thoughts, the emotions, and why I'm, I'm acting or saying the things I am. The next part would then be modeling the thoughts, action, behavior, language 
of the person you want to be or the actions, you know, getting you one step towards that goal or objective. And then the other part is giving yourself permission to fail. We are imperfect beings and stuff's going to happen, whether it's the things that we can't control or you will just stumble and you're not going to get it right. And that's fine. You pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you go back to step number one and remember that you've got this goal or objective that you're focusing on. Iterate, keep going through that time and time again. And over time, it gets a heck of a lot easier and you develop this much healthier level of resilience. That is so true because sometimes we tend to not want to fail. And it's in failing, you would learn. You don't get it all at once. It's like you do an exam and you didn't pass it the first time. And you get to know, well, this is where I, I didn't do very well. So then you can prepare yourself again because you know where your weak spot is and you can build on that weak spot and you can grow and develop. And again, I think it's about being programming. You know, my dad used to say, when you fail, keep trying. It's like a baby trying to walk. You know, it just doesn't just suddenly get up and start walking. They will try to stand and they fall. Try to stand, take two steps and they go down. They don't just stay there. They keep building that muscle. The legs keep getting stronger and they keep going and they keep going. It's about doing that, not being afraid to fail, but being ready that when you fail, you're going to get back up and you're going to keep going. And that is where you start building those muscles, those resilience muscles that would help to take you further along the way, that would help you to go through. Now that you have told us the three steps of the reflective the feeling, getting up and moving forward. Can you go ahead and explain a bit more about how, because the why is still there, is, is still something that you're pursuing, is something that you have pursued that got you to the other side. What are some of the falling down you had to do to get back up, to get yourself where you needed to be? I've fallen many times and had, I've learned a lot. I, I live by this philosophy of no regrets. And so everything that's occurred, I view it as this opportunity to have learned and subsequently improved myself or whether it's the business that I've been in. And so one of those early lessons, and this goes back even to when I, when I started the conversation with you today, I said, I wouldn't have shared my story many, many years ago. And so one of the failings I had in business and as a leader for other people was never showing emotion. I didn't certainly didn't tell this story. I, because I became an executive at so at such a young age. So as I said, 24 years old, I stepped chief operating officer of a privately held, a large privately held organization. I was the youngest by a couple of decades. I was the only woman as well. I had a bit of this imposter syndrome. It was a stretch role for me. And because of that, but also because of my early years, I walked in with what I'm going to say was a bit of a mask, all business, all the time. And what we've learned, and it's not just in business and life, like people do business at, or engage in relationships with people they like and they trust. And in business, therefore, that means they want to do business with. And I realized I had the nickname of the Iron Maiden. 
And at the time I was like, oh, well, like that's unfortunate. But I was for a second, I was like, should I be upset by that? Or is that a compliment? Like I wasn't quite sure. But then a few months later, one of my colleagues and I were talking about our weekends on a Monday morning. And I said, I'd watch some movie in the theater and I was bawling. I was just crying. It was so sad. And she looked at me like with completely incredulous. And she's like, Vic, I thought you'd be the type of person who laughed at people who cried at movies. But I will tell you, Verna, that that crushed me. That's that was very clear that this public persona and perception of me from a from a work perspective um, was how I showed up. And that was a failure for me because what I realized was my team feared me and rather than what I my goal or objective would have been to have them follow me. That what that was a lesson for me. And it, it took a long time when we talk about like working the muscle with discipline and just doing things over and over again. That was one I had to work at because it wasn't natural for me. I'd been in working for so long and I showed up, I would never have showed emotion. I was all business all the time. And so that was one where again, when I heard those things and I stared back at the woman in the, in the mirror, I was like, like, I wouldn't want to work for someone like this if this is how like she really is. Yeah. So for me, it meant, you know, just, being even conscious of changing the agenda of walking into a meeting instead of launching right into the you know topics for the day, taking a moment to talk to the people who are in the room. How is your weekend? How's your family? Like get to understand them better, understand their why, learning about people's lived experience as well. So that was one. And again, it wasn't natural, you know, or comfortable for me. And then over time, it meant sharing more of myself and showing that I was vulnerable. You know, the Iron Maiden came because I've been through 18 mergers and acquisitions in, in business over the years and the companies I work for, not even those I've supported clients with. And I can make a really tough decision, but they would never have seen that emotionally, you know, letting people go and affecting their livelihoods does take a great toll. And so that was one of the greatest failures, I'd say, for me in business. And I really defined myself significantly by what I did for work. So it meant I was a failure is how I viewed it. You know, now if you were to talk to my team, no, they'll still tell you I'm, I'm tough, but I'm fair as in terms of work and expectations, but they will always tell you that I care deeply about them, about their success, their long-term goals and objectives, and I'll have their back. But again, it took many years to pivot from where I was to where I am today. So that was what you considered your failure in business. When you think about your life, things that you may have stepped into, I want to see how they both mold together to make you that unstoppable story that you are. <laughs> so I would say the my failures came in my personal relationships in that one, I don't, I don't think I displayed this incredible amount of confidence to the world, yet I was quite insecure personally, you know, so I think I always had this fear of, of being rejection, rejected. And did I deserve to have the kind of love that I really was seeking out? And I made poor choices. So I talked about being raped in my teens. And that was just putting myself in a bad situation was boy that I'd been, I'd been introduced to. I was actually married to a woman for 11 years. And she was what I needed. I met her when I was 22. And she was 35. But ultimately, she was exceptionally controlling of me. And again, what I wanted at 22, and what she gave was it was the right, right fit at some point. But even right before her, I'd had a boyfriend who was physically abusive to me. And that didn't last long, I immediately like sent him out. 
But then even after I had left her and I was dating people afterwards, I continued to still choose people that weren't right for me. And again, where I go back to this healthy level of resilience, it was that second step of like self-reflection and awareness. And I'm like, the common denominator in these failed relationships is me. And what is it? What am I do? Yes, pe people, I, as I said, are flawed. And so there are, you know, certainly some just not good matches for certain reasons. But ultimately, I had to look back and I realized it was me who was still this fearful young girl being rejected. And so before anyone could hurt me, I, you know, I built a wall and I, I put them back or I was fearful that, you know, was someone going to have an affair or cheat on me because, you know, again, they didn't love me enough. And so that was something I needed to sit through. And, I, and what's so funny is when I finally got to this really good place of acceptance for who I am, love for who I am, and a lot of that insecurity fell away and I could show up and be, you know, this real authentic raw individual to be in a relationship with someone. Um, it was only at that moment, she was committed to remaining single because I'm like, oh, I finally found this woman, like the unstoppable woman, the rest of the world sees me. I'm like, the full whole person is here. And it wasn't long after that, that I met my now husband. <laughs> but I had to go through all these failed relationships, in large part due to my own insecurity to find the right one. Because sometimes we can be very judgmental. And I think that's what I like about my Christianity is that I try to look with the eyes of Christ. How does Christ see us? When everybody wants to name you or say certain things, what does he see? And that's what true Christianity and spirituality is about, is what does when God look at you all he sees is a daughter. He doesn't see all the different things that people see or would want to call you or name you because there is a purpose. He said your why. There is a purpose. That purpose is your why. That purpose is what's going to take you over. That purpose is what's going to help someone else to realize that, hey, I am more than enough. I am I am worth it. I am worthy. And you had to go through all these different things to really realize that, hey, Tori, you are worthy. You are worth it. Girl, yes. you got something good going on here. And until you did that and stopped seeking the love from everyone else, which you thought you needed, and then really concentrated on loving you, that self-love, that self-importance. And it's not about being bigger than anyone. But if you don't love you, if you don't have that self-love and that self-compassion towards you, then you can't have it towards anyone else. And it's in finding you and you stop searching, you are able to find your husband and have your beautiful kids. There is, there is, I think there is just so much more about you and I just need to know and unpack. So what else is there that we have not yet tapped into? What else? 
Well, we talk about the need to feel love and but I will tell you, there was also been this, there was a need for a validation. I, I'll tell you at one point I thought I had to have material possessions to prove. Now it also comes from, again, you know, my, my parents were lower middle class. I mean, I never went without clothing and food, but my clothes came from Kmart. We didn't go on vacations. I didn't get to go on the school trips, right? So part of the reason I started working at such a young age was to have things if I wanted to buy something that was the whatever the latest and greatest of something was I remember the yellow Walkman right like Sony Walkman I saved and saved yeah, and saved to get yeah. that right and but then that became part that was the other thing I held on to and I worked hard to one again I could control how I showed up and how I performed at work. And then with that came greater and greater promotion and money and stuff, material things. And that was one of the things where I also learned. I remember having having to have the bigger and bigger home. And at some point that all shed away. Again, a lot of that came with that self love and worth. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean I don't still love. There's a couple of yeah. like mm -hmm. designer, like luxury designers I still like. So I still have a couple of those like nice Louis Vuitton or Christian Dior bag, but I didn't need for all all that other stuff anymore and I think I remember my mom used to joke she'd say you know money can't buy happiness but it makes one hell of a down payment which she she said as a joke but the reality is I think I've although I still do well as an executive in this world and can afford for my children that that is not meaningful for me and in in terms of what brings me joy and love lots of people will ask me like what are what are some of your greatest goals that you have in life and I said it's it's not about the biggest house or what vehicle I can have. It's about, am I raising two really good humans with my, in my children? Right. And then what kind of a legacy and impact I view my, my success, the proverbial tombstone is not going to have like what kind of revenue and profitability I drove for the companies that I work for. It's going to be about the, the impact I've had on all of those that I engaged with. That for me is true joy. And that also comes from, again, comfort and confidence in self and love in myself to be able to help others in that regard. Those are a few things I would add. That's amazing. That is truly the pinnacle of what life is and what the unstoppable life is all about. It's about attaining and getting to the things that really makes you happy. And it doesn't matter how much wealth you have if you don't have that love, that love and that joy, that joyous joy that really gets you up in the morning smiling. Doesn't matter what's going to happen. It's going to be a good day. Doesn't matter what's going to take place. It's going to be a good day. And it's uh, the way you went about it, Victoria, in stripping away at everything and molding and building that resilience that gets you to where you are that now it took someone to look at you and thought I didn't think you had emotions I didn't think you cry and that was a lesson in itself to help you turn your life around that's just one lesson but then there are so many other live, learned experiences that you gained along the way that helped you to be that unstoppable woman, that unstoppable person that you can impactalize. And what will be on your tombstone, as you say, is the lives that you have impact, is the lives that you have managed to change, 
It's the empowerment that you gave to the people that are around you. So is there anything else that you haven't shared that you think someone could learn or show them, give them a hint, give them some tips of how they can turn their lives around if they're listening to us right now? Well, I think it, Vern, it goes back to this notion of choice, right? And yeah. the no, sort of no excuses. Like when something comes up, so when you're in a, whether it's a personal or a business situation and you are unhappy and it's funny, I, you and I both use the word joy. So for me, I people, and I say, look, I only do things that bring me personal or professional value or joy. And to those things that don't, I stop doing them. And there's some things that have to be done. We all have to do our laundry and clean our homes, but you can choose to outsource it or delegate it. Uh, and so that's all about choice. And, you know, so for me, when you're, in these really difficult situations, you know, that's the message I give around what we talk about around resilience and, and ways to move through that. But ultimately, when we sit in a situation in which we are unhappy, it doesn't bring us joy or fulfillment, then we have a couple of options, right? And we can either sit and wallow in it and do nothing. And but then my position is you don't get to continue to moan and groan about it if you choose to do nothing. <laughs> or the other is to take action. You control the things you can control and you can't always. So let's talk about from a job. You know, you're in a position you don't like, like the, the role itself is not fulfilling, then find one that aligns to the things you enjoy doing and you're good at doing and you're going to get paid to do. If it's a leader that is one of these leaders, like maybe I was where people feared but didn't follow, then try and find a different leader doing that or a different organization. There's lots of choice we have in the matter. And I want people to understand that. I am not saying that life is all sunshine and roses. Things are going to happen. There's a lot of things that are outside of our control, but how we choose to respond in that moment and the people we surround ourselves with is a big part of that. I will also say, you know, where the success I've achieved in my career in particular, I couldn't have done that without the support of even my ex and my husband today, because I work a ridiculous number of hours pre pandemic. I was traveling all the time and I've also, got people near and dear to me a really really tight circle in that tribe of mine who will support me it doesn't mean they always agree with me they'll be radically candid they'll give me the tough and harsh feedback that I might not need to hear that I don't see sometimes in the mirror and give that to me but then also support me once I've made a decision to move forward and I think that's the key that's the key surrounding yourself with the right type of people not people who's just going to tell you what you want to hear even though you don't want to hear it, I'm going to tell you it anyway. And it's up to you to process it. You have a choice. We go back to choices. It's the choices we make. It's the, the decision that we take. Is the road we decide to go down. And as you said, life will not always be easy. It's like going, going on a journey. The road is not always straight. There is some humps. There is some corners, some really sharp ends, you know, sharp corners. You have to take it really quick, but also be very cautious how you're taking those corners. And when we look at it that way and we, we take those things on board, then we can build on those things and we can build the resilience that we need. I mean, I'm going through some stuff at the moment. I'm not ready to talk about it. As yet, because I want to, I want to go through and come through a little bit more, so then I can talk about it and give someone 
some assurance that it doesn't matter what you go through in life, there is always light at the end of the tunnel. But it's the choices that we take, it's the choices that we make that will bring us to the destination. In order to go, you said like you were traveling pre-pandemic, so you had different destinations to go to, but you had to plan the course, you had to plan how you go in, how you get in there. Is it by plane? Is it by train? Is it by car? You didn't just wake up and you got there. You had to plan it. You had to make some choices, which is the safest way. And and that's what life is all about. As we come down to the final stages, what can you, to someone listening to you now, what can you say to that person who is thinking, well, I don't know. Oh, I've made so many bad choices. How can I? I've been listening, but I still don't know. How can I get off this this track and get on the right track? How can I know that the people that are around me are the right people and need around me? How can I, if I let go, would I, would I be hurting someone or would I lose their friendship? Can you talk into that person's life right now? Well, what I'd say is there is no better time than now to act, to take action. But you talked about, you know, the driving and the road and there's times you're cautious and you need to do some planning. Oh, what do I think's around the corner? And I'm originally from Canada and I've driven in lots of snow and ice and, you know, there's some planning, you know, in the winter months. And so what I would say is take action and act now. It's one foot in front of the, in front of the next right? One step after the other. Yes, there's planning. Uh, You know, if you want to make a your side hustle or like small, small business passion project become your full time, well, you need to still earn a certain amount of money to uh, sustain your your current lifestyle and afford for your, your family if you're fortunate enough to have one. But there's planning you can take to make that side gig over time to grow it. I mean, so that's that, but there's no reason we shouldn't act now. You know, I'll tell people there's the nine to five and then there's your five to nine and how do you spend your, you know, the, the extra time. And as it relates to the people around you, I, I try and have a philosophy of no drama. Now drama happens, stuff happens, but I certainly don't invite that in the people that I surround myself most frequently with. And so in terms of who to surround yourself with, I I think, you know, your listeners are going to want to find the people who care and support you deeply. But as we've discussed, you know, those that can give you the kind of feedback you need to hear, you don't want to hear at times as well. But again, from a place of care uh, in doing that, and those that lift you lift you up, uh, you know, those are the people that you want to have around you. But ultimately, again, it's there's as they say, I mean, and it's sounds cheesy, but I mean, like there, there, there truly is no time like the present, you know, to, to take action, to plan, to move forward that one step at a time. We're not going to hit that long-term goal in many cases overnight. It's going to be a journey to get there. And as, you know, as long as we're, you know, walking one step forward at a time, you know, we will get there. Yeah. It's not to be, it's not to be in a rush or in a hurry. Because as we know, if we're in a rush or in a hurry, accidents happen. And sometimes we can't change the course because we were rushing and we were not paying attention. In the process, we have to pay attention. And we we can't be afraid of making those choices because we have to think about this is our life. If you want to have that unstoppable life, you have to make tough choices. 
And those tough choices may mean losing some friends, may mean maybe changing where you live, changing your story. Taking those choices could make the difference between having a long, fulfilled life, not just a long, fulfilled, but a long, fulfilled, joyous, joyous life, a life that is full of joy. You wake up and you smile. Just to breathe the fresh air, you smile. Because it's another day, it's another beginning, it's a new life. And that's what the unstoppable life is all about. And that's what I love about Victoria's story. The way it was, she was born into something. I was born into something. But neither of us made a decision to stay there. We had choices. We made choices that we believe will take us to where we want to, that will take us to live the life that we want to. Or why? Why did we make those choices? Because we want a better life. Why did we make those choices? Because we wanted to impact other people's lives. Why did we make those choices? Because we wanted to have something that gave us that fulfillment, that made us build those resilience muscles that made us become unstoppable. So, Toria, someone listening to you right now and they say, okay, I align with this person. I want to know more about her. I want to get to know more. I want to sit, I want to sit at table and I want to eat from her table. I want to, I want to fill, I want to fill my cup. I want to get some of that overflow from her cup. I want to, I want to fill my cup so that my cup become a cup that can overflow so that I can input into someone else. What can you tell them? How can they reach you? Well, the good or bad thing about having now married a French Canadian with this French last name Peltier is uh, there aren't many of us. And so if you Google me, and I also I will tell you, I spend a lot of time focused around my brand. And again, because I'm a public speaker, you Google me on most of probably the first five or six pages. But the targeted place to go is either for business on LinkedIn, you can find me there. And I have a personal website, which is victoria-peltier.com. And that's where podcasts such as yours will be posted posted there. The articles I write are there and people can learn more about what I speak about. They heard it, Victoria Peltier. It, it's such, it's, there is a, a beautifulness about it, the name. Is there a meaning? What does it mean? It's like my name, Verna Harry. That's before I got married. Verna means life, eh? Green, green. And spring is life. It breathes new life. It's a new beginning. It's a love, I love that. So sorry about it. There well, was so, something. With, well, yeah. m- many last names were descriptors of what people did. And so Peltier, think like Furrier, like Pelts and Furrier and whatnot. So that that's actually where the, the last name comes from. But it's so interesting, Verna, you talk just about names. So I've had four names in, in my lifetime. I was born with one. And after my parents adopted me, I said, even though I was four or five, I said, even though I have, I have new parents, so I think I should get, get a new name. So Victoria and Tori was the nickname my mom called me. I chose that because I like Vicky from The Love Boat, even though I don't like being called Vicky. So there was two names. Then I got married the first time and you took my ex's last name and now this time. But what I love also about your name, Verna, life, my first child that I gave birth to, having no biological blood tie around me the, and the symbolism of bringing a life into this world. I knew the name regardless of whether I was having a boy or a girl. And it is Zoe, which is Greek for life. And so my mom was like, how can you name a boy Zoe? But my son is now six 
six foot three and 200 pounds. No one's messing with him because his name is Zoe. And although we often call him Zoe for short, but, <laughs> but I love it. I love it. But yeah, there's some symbolism in all of these names and choices. In my case, choices I've made on, on my name. Yeah, it's powerful. It's powerful, powerful, powerful. And I just love it. So I want to say thank you, Zoe Petty, for contacting me, for us meeting, for getting to know you, getting to know your story. And I know that as the listeners listen to this, they're going to get so much from it. There is so much wisdom in what you have spoken about. And I pray that they would listen, not with their ears, but with their heart. And as they listen with their heart, they will get something that would resonate with them that they will then reach out to you. As I would always say, if there is something that we all will not resonate with everyone. I will not resonate with everyone. Tori will not resonate with everyone because we all have a different story. We all have a different message and we all have been through on different journey and on a different course. And the journey that we have taken is so that each of us could reach the people that need to hear from us, that would need to hear what we have to say that we can impart into their lives that can change them. So as you've heard from Victoria Petty, we can reach her on LinkedIn or you can reach her on our website. We will have all those details when we produce the podcast. So you will have that. And wherever you listen to your podcast, whether whether it is on Spotify, Google, Apple, you can listen to your podcast there. And as Victoria said, it will be on our website so you can listen to it there. So I want to say thank you, Victoria, for being here and uh, for sharing your wisdom with us and wanting to reach people with your story that can change their lives because there will be a young person listening to this and thinking, wow, the light bulb has come on and they can grab something from this and they can think, I want to be like her. I can do this. I can get on to to learn more, to sit at your table and to drink from the overflow. And as they drink from the overflow, their cup becomes full and their cup begins to overflow that they too can have someone else. So thank you so much. And I'll leave you with the last word so you can say something to the audience. And thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Verna. I really appreciated it. And to your entire audience, You are the CEO of your own life. Choose. There's no reason why you can't lead an incredibly unstoppable journey in life of your own choosing. So I wish everyone well. Okay, great. And with that, I want to say thank you. And we look forward to you joining us again in my next episode, which will be sometime soon. So don't forget to like, share with your friends and with your family. And keep joining us on the Unstoppable Life. You can have that Unstoppable Life too. So thank you, everyone. Take care and God bless.